Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. And now there are just five. That's the number of teams still undefeated in the NFL. Those teams are the Buffalo Bills, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tennessee Titans, all in the AFC, and in the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Welcome. I'm Gary Wolkel, and with me as usual is Rob Reichel, the all-pro Packers reporter. <laughs> Rob, how are you doing? We must be lowering the standards then for uh, all-pro or Pro Bowl, Gary. No, no, you're definitely in that category, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so uh, did you enjoy the bye week? I did. I, I did. I, I watched a lot of football. I guess that's what guys like us do, right, Gary? I, I learned a lot about the rest of the league that I don't get to see week in and week out. And I'll tell you what, it extends to even tonight. You mentioned the five undefeateds yet, and uh, the five unbeatens will be down to four after tonight, right, when the Bills and Titans play. So that, That's true. Good, good point. Um, the bye weeks are fun where I'm not spending all my time focusing on Green Bay and I get to see a lot of the, the teams around the league. I tape games every week and watch them later anyways, Gary. But just to watch them live in the moments is fun. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I know uh, Roger Goodell gets his fair share of criticism. But I'll tell you what, during this pandemic, thank God for the NFL. <laughs> I, don't, I, I know you're a huge you know, football fan. I'm a huge football fan. And I'll tell you what, it makes it you know, somewhat tolerable, actually. No, I mean, it does. We've all been spending an enormous amount of time with our family since mid-March. There's pros and cons in that, right, Gary? I, <laughs> I have a feeling two things are going to happen via that. We're going to see a huge rise in birth rates, and we're going to see a huge rise in divorces. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's a nice escape, Gary, for people, right, to break away and, and watch the NFL. College football is real close again to be rolling. It doesn't appear anybody really watched the NBA finals and the NBA playoffs in, in general, and there's probably a number of reasons for that we won't get into here. You know, baseball is, I don't think, you know, captured the – attention of America maybe let's say the way it the way it normally does but to have Lord football back Gary every <laughs> every Thursday Sunday Monday and, a, and a, on a night like tonight a Tuesday is pretty good stuff you know I, that reminds me of a story the other day I was talking to a scout and I said to him I said how are you doing on the uh, social distancing front and he goes, you know what? My wife and I have been socially distancing for about five years now. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Gary, today is my 19th wedding anniversary. And well, congratulations. I, 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 well, it's amazing anybody's put up with me, first of all, for 19 years. But, yes, wow. I, I, I think anybody who's that deep into a marriage can understand that scouts take a little bit. Uh, things aren't quite always what they were during the honeymoon phase. <laughs> Well, congratulations. That, that's awesome. 19 years is definitely to be commended. Let's start out, Rob, uh, talking about the Packers' blistering start. Uh, they cleaned up in their first four games. And was there anything in particular that stood out in your mind? I mean, Gary, without question, I guess the number one thing that jumps off the page to pretty much everybody is the play of Aaron Rodgers and really the offense on a whole. I would say that's probably the best thing they've done here in the first quarter of the season. I, 
I thought Rodgers would bounce back and have a good year, Gary. I mean, he's on pace for a legendary all-time kind of year. He's at 13 touchdowns, no picks, and a, and a passer rating pushing 130. I mean, I, I certainly don't expect that to continue, Gary. But even if he goes 45 and 6 or something like that, as, as he did in the one MVP season, you know, and has a passer rating of 120, we're, we're going to talk about that among the greatest years ever by a Packer quarterback. Gary, I thought they'd be, they'd be better on offense in year two with Matt LaFleur, where all these complementary pieces and parts around Rodgers know the offense better. And I thought they'd have more synchronicity and success, but I also wait, 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 wait a second. What was that word? Synchronicity. <laughs> I think that might be the first time I heard that. That's awesome. I'm a big police fan, Gary. If you remember the great '80s rock band, so yeah, absolutely, I, I, I sting sing about that quite a bit. So, no, 38 points a game. Who would have saw that coming, Gary? After a year ago, where they were 23 and a half, right? And mm-hmm. 445 yards a game. Uh, the, the points rank number one. The yards rank number two. Far and away, I'd say the best thing they've done is is on the offensive side of the football. But there's there's other things, too, that jump out. If you just kind of look at individuals, Chris Barnes, to me, is a huge surprise. Uh, the play of Corey Lindsley in a contract year has been enormous. He's he's probably been the best center in football, Gary. I, I know people love to follow the ball when it's snapped, and then all they do is watch the quarterback and the running backs and wide receivers and things like that. But it's worth it for five, six, eight plays a game to put your eyes on Corey Lindsley, to put your eyes on David Bakhtiari, to put your eyes on Elton Jenkins and, and just follow guys like that. It's, it's a fun mm-hmm. way to, to really study and learn football. And Gary, I, I think the other thing that jumps out too is, is just, just the head coach. I mean, he, he's 17 and three now an 850 winning percentage in his first 20 games in, in the NFL Nobody would have saw that coming back in January of, of 19 when, when he was hired. His remarkable, to me, creativity, uh, play design, I think he's been far ahead of defensive coordinators most Sundays. To me, Gary, that, that's been a huge plus uh, as, as we've started this season. Yeah, I wonder if we, we went back and did a poll after Lafleur was hired, what the fan reaction was. As I recall, it wasn't greeted with a lot of applause. I think it had, you know, quite a few skeptics. And uh, I'll raise my hand on that one. I wasn't sure about the hire, but it has been absolutely fantastic. I, I don't think anybody can question it, you know, certainly at this point. Without a doubt. There were, there were some people out there at various publications. Um, I was working for Bob McGinn's website at the time, the, the, the great ex-Journal Sentinel Packer writer, and a number of scouts had told Bob McGinn that uh, Matt LaFleur was not even going to be retained as Tennessee's offensive coordinator. Wow. So there was certainly some doubt as if he could even be a coordinator, Gary, much less run an entire football team. So, yeah, Mark Murphy's decision there after just one interview, it, it kind of seemed quick and off the cuff and almost sporadic to, to make that decision. Murphy interviewed 10 people. LaFleur was his final one, and he said after one interview he was sold. Uh, you know, a couple hour interview. I mean, God, Gary, you and I interview longer for that than any newspaper <laughs> job we've ever had. And, and we've never carried quite the responsibility that the head coach of the Green Bay Packers does, which is, let, let's be honest, in this state, it, it probably ranks among the three most important jobs to the average citizen of Wisconsin. So it seemed like a remarkably quick hire too by, by Murphy uh, just to do the one interview. And uh, right now though, Gary, it's paying off in spades. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, the one thing that stood out for me 
through the first four games of the season was that the Packers stars played like stars. You just discussed Rodgers and uh, he, he's been nothing short of sensational. I mean, he's having a storybook season. Four down, 12 to go, and uh, we'll see if he can, you know, sustain that. But, I mean, you look at the other guys. Aaron Jones has played like a star. Bakhtiari, Alexander, you know, Zadarius Smith. They, they've all played, you know, for the most part at a pretty high level. And, uh, you know, if they come close, remotely close to uh, matching that performance the rest of the way, the backers are going to be in pretty good shape. Right, and then, Gary, you think about it, too, Devontae Adams, who, who certainly falls under that category. Uh, of, yeah, and I forgot of, him, yeah. Years and Kenny Clark, uh, you know, those are two of their top seven players without question. You could argue two mm-hmm. of their top five. Clark has played 6% of the snaps, and Devontae Adams is at 39% of the snaps. So you're spot on, Gary, with the guys you outlined there, and they'll even get some star power back here now moving forward. I, I would assume as, as soon as – Sunday when when they take that trip to Tennessee but when you are a a team that invests heavily in star power at the top of the roster and the Packers have done that where the top nine ten guys are going to make half the half the salary Mm -hmm. account for half the salary cap or even more you need every single one of those guys or at least 80 or 90 percent to play like pro bowlers Gary if if you're going to have any kind of chance to win your division, to, to make a run at, your, at a conference title, to make a run at a Super Bowl. And the Packers are getting that right now. You, you can't have superstars getting paid $10, 15 $20 million a year have off seasons then. The only one I would say there, Gary, that isn't living up to the money right now is Preston Smith, who's had a, who's had a quiet first four games. Very quiet. Um, very, very, quiet. very, very quiet. And I, I would think inside the building that's a little bit of a concern, and they need to get him going here as the season progresses, but everybody else you talked about there, Gary is in the middle of, you know, if not a career year, certainly a pro bowl level kind of year. And, and if it continues, I mean, it it bodes well for them winning 13, 14 games. Yeah. You know, the Packers Packers have 12 games uh, remaining uh, starting Sunday night against a uh, very interesting Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. That's quarterbacked by a guy named Brady. I I think you might've heard of him, but anyway, Pardon? I said, who's that guy again? Oh, Brady. Yeah, you, know, that guy. You, oh, yeah. you know the guy that forgets what down it is? <laughs> kind of a little slack, right? He's been oh, in, he, I, he had six Super Bowl titles and, and nine trips to the biggest game in the world, right? I, I, I think he, we can cut him a break on a random Thursday night game against the Bears. I, I'll tell you what. That's when the press is stopped. The world stops revolving. Tom Brady lost track of the downs in the last game. And I, and I was watching it, and I'm going, my goodness, I, I can't believe one of the most cerebral quarterbacks in the history of the game. I don't think there's any question about it. Totally forgot what play it was. And, but, again, in the big picture, I don't think anybody's going to be talking about that, you know, 20, 30 years from now. But going into this game, the last time I checked, Rob, the Packers were two-point favorites. All the focus is going to be on – Brady and Rodgers. I mean, it should be one heck of a game. Clearly, that's the marquee matchup for a number of reasons, uh, Gary. But the one thing people should probably pay a little closer attention to, too, and, and we'll get into the whole Brady-Rodgers thing, I'm sure, as we go here. But but this Tampa defense is probably the best defense in the NFC. It's, Gary, it's why I believe when we get to late December into January – Tampa's probably going to be in that top three teams that we're talking about inside the conference. Green Bay, Seattle, Tampa Bay. Defense wins the day. 
in this league by the time we get to the end of the season most years. Mm -hmm. Right now it's the number two total defense in football, Gary. They're number one against the run, less than 60 yards a game. So as good as Jones and Williams have been, I think Green Bay ranks fifth right now in rushing offense. Mm -hmm. They're going against the number one run defense in football which tells you it's going to be a tough day to get the run game going. It's probably going to turn into an Aaron Rodgers kind of game. And he could have some success, Gary. They're not great in the back. They're 16th in, in pass defense. They get after quarterbacks. They have a lot of people, Gary, on that side of the ball that are pretty dangerous. Um, you know, when, when we start talking about getting after quarterbacks, they have 17 sacks at this point in time. I don't know if everybody realizes the ex-Lion and Ram Nadama Kansu is, is kind of leading the way right now up front. They have another end named William Golston, who's terrific. JPP, the ex-giant who blew off his thumb, plays outside linebacker for him now and gets after quarterbacks. They've got two really fast, instinctive, smart inside linebackers named Levante David and Devin White, who are high-level football players. Shaq Barrett had 20 sacks or 19 sacks a year ago he gets mm -hmm. after quarterbacks I mean, he here they, have, they have people they have people all over that side of the ball that can, in that front seven that can create uh, a ruckus and some havoc Green Bay's offensive line has been outstanding uh, the first quarter of the season they're not going to have had a test though like this and Tampa even lost one of the, probably their three best players on the defensive side of the ball when they lost their nose a couple weeks ago V to V mm -hmm. and you know that, that that's going to be a blow to them but they're still good enough on that side of the ball Gary, I think to give Rodgers and the offense a lot of fits come, come Sunday. It's not going to be nearly as easy as the first few weeks against the Minnesotas, the Detroits, the, the New Orleanses of the world for, for the Packers come Sunday. Well, I think it's going to be a uh, great test for that Packers offensive line, like you said. I mean, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley, they are going to have to play at the same level that they've been playing, eight, and even perhaps even more so. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think uh, the Packers' offense is going to be really challenged <laughs> to, to put up 30 points. I mean, that's the fewest points they put up this year, right? Something like that. Right. Uh, right. So, that so the I mean, game, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, what, what do you think is a, a reasonable expectation for the number of points that Green Bay could score against this, you know, pretty darn good defense? They're really good. I think they're eighth in scoring defense. I know Green Bay's one at 38 a game scoring offense. Gary, I think, I think high 20s is, you know, 27 mm -hmm. to 30 is, is probably what it's, first of all, what it's going to take to win the football game and is, is probably going to be right in the range where Green Bay will score. I mean, I do see this, Gary, as like a 30-27 game one way or the other. I think both teams have plenty of offense. I, I, Tampa, Tampa's beat up on the offensive side of the ball, Gary. They've, you know, they have two number one wide receivers in, in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and both are dinged. So – for the, for the listeners out there, it's going to be important to pay attention to how those guys come along. Evans has played through that ankle injury the last few weeks, and I would think the, the bye after the Bears game or, you know, the, the extra time off, it's, it, it's like a short bye because they, they played Thursday night. They'll have 11 days, uh, 10 days before the Packer game. I think that'll get Evans right. I don't know enough about Godwin right now, Gary, mm -hmm. if, uh, if, if he'll be able to give it a go come Sunday. If he does – uh, and then you factor in the tight ends that they have with Gronk. And I know O.J. Howard's on IR, but Cameron Brait's not a bad player. Fournette won't play, I don't think, the running back. Ronald Jones should play, and, and he's been pretty good for them. I mean, they, they've got a lot of people around Brady where they're going to score in the high 20s too. I, I know they weren't impressive about a week ago, Gary, on that Thursday night game against, against the Bears. But, again, top to bottom, this roster, 
I think is really good. And as Brady gets more acclimated with his people on the offensive side of the ball, they're only going to get more and more dangerous. Um, if the Packers can find a way to go down there and steal a game, move to 5-0 and and go up three games in the loss column on, on Tampa Bay, I, I think it's going to have huge postseason ramifications because I think when it's all said and done, Gary, Tampa's going to be around 11 wins and uh, might get a home game, and, and they're probably going to win that division. So I think this has big-time ramifications for uh, later in the season when we start looking at the playoffs. You know, Rob, I, I, I agree with every single point you made. We, we know that Tampa Bay has a very good defense, and I think the Packers' defense is somewhat underrated by a lot of people around the league at this point. But do you know what the over-under is on that game? I, I, I looked at it before. This surprised me. When I looked at it, so I just threw the game out at 30 to 27. Yeah. Which I'm going to guess is going to be over. I'll guess 51, Gary. Yeah, you're pretty close. 52 points, which, okay. which I think is low. I mean, I do not, too. Not, not that I'm a gambling man, but uh, I would tend to uh, go with the over on this one. Yeah, it's not going to be 24 13, something no, like that. No, no, absolutely it's, not. Right. You're, you're going to probably need 30 to win that football game, which means somebody's chasing you in the mid 20s, right? And, and, and I anticipate that kind of game because both have plenty of, of, of firepower on the offensive side of the ball. And, and Gary, I, I agree with you. Green Bay's front seven has been pretty good so far this year, especially against the run. But uh, amazingly, what, what I thought the strength of the defense was, well, I thought the number one strength of the Packer defense would be the outside linebackers. But mm-hmm. the, sec- the second strength I really thought was going to be the secondary. Yes. Gary, I, I looked up these numbers before uh, – it really is unbelievable how, how poor they've played in the back the first quarter of the season. Last year, Gary, opposing quarterbacks completed 59.7% of their passes against Green Bay. That right now is up to over 72%. So is we're talking right? about 13% jump. Yeah, almost three out of four passes are being completed against these guys right now. The opposing quarterback rating – that they put up last year, the, the Packer secondary, Gary, the Packer defense, I guess, was 81.1. Right now it's at 107.2, so that's up 26 mm-hmm. points. And, and the yards per attempt are up from 7.4 to 8.4. Um, I, I thought the secondary showed some signs of growth and improvement in the Atlanta game, um, especially shutting out Ridley, the way uh, Jair Alexander took on that challenge and, and manned up and played him so well. But the rest of that group has not played very well across the board, and they're going to have to starting Sunday because especially if Evans and Godwin both go and are close to 100%, even if they're at 80 to 90, they're mm-hmm. still high-level wide receivers. Brady and that offense could really carve these guys up. You know what? I played cornerback in my non-illustrious career at Chilton High School, okay? Okay. <laughs> and I, I'm going to defend this, the Packers secondary – I agree they're not playing probably up to their capabilities, but at the same time, the, the pass rush of the Packers has been very, very shaky. I, I've said this from after the first game, they got to figure out a way to get to the quarterback and put more pressure on. There have been a lot of situations where the Packers have been in long yardage situations, and Petten just goes with you know his three-man front, four-man front, and he doesn't bring anybody. Occasionally he does, like he did with Alexander in the uh, Minnesota game. But other than that, it, it's been pretty vanilla from a pass rush standpoint. So I agree with you. The Packers' secondary could, could and should be better. 
but uh, I think there's uh, blame to be had with that uh, pass rush as well. Well, there's no question that, that it works hand in hand. I mean, the, the quicker yeah, these absolutely. Can, can get to the quarterback, uh, it makes life a lot easier for the Kevin Kings and, and the Jair Alexanders and the Darnell Savages of the world. Um, the pass rush has not been outstanding by any means. They've built big leads in a lot of these games too, Gary. I mean, they, they had a two-score lead against Minnesota, a three-score three score lead against Detroit. They were up big on Atlanta on the Monday night game uh, just over a week ago. So the pressure should be better. I, I'm sure that's one thing is they self-scouted here throughout the bye week that they're going to focus on heavily, various blitz packages and defenses that they're going to throw at quarterbacks. I mean, really, Gary, across the league, offenses have been way ahead of defenses. No, without and without think, a doubt. I mean, I, I think that's going to come back, and the defenses will catch up here as, as the season moves along. But, yeah, let, let, let's not kid ourselves. If, if the Packers go out in the first or second round of the playoffs and, and uh, have a game where they lose 41-31 or something like that, I mean, Mike Pettin's seat was hot to start the year. And, and if they bow out in a, in a fashion similar to what they did last year in the NFC Championship game, if, if Pettin's group is, is really the number one reason behind a, a playoff exit again and an and, and early ouster, let's just say, from the playoffs, mm-hmm. I would expect a new defensive coordinator there next year because uh, the offense has been better than anybody could have envisioned. And the defense, it's been okay, Gary, but I think with some of the resources they have invested on that side of the ball, Kenny Clark getting a monster contract. I know he's been dinged up, but they're paying the two outside linebackers an enormous amount of money. In the 2019 draft, they used first-round picks on on Gary and Savage, so they, they invested a lot of draft capital there. They paid Amos a ton of money on that side of the ball. They love yeah. those corners with Alexander and King. I mean – Let's be honest, it probably should be a top 10 or 12 defense with what they've invested on it. Oh, I I, I can agree with you more. I I think he's definitely on the clock. You know, there's no excuses at this point. Like you said, that defense has plenty of talent. You know, when when you look at it across the board, Gary, they've seen some pretty good offenses to start the year. The Saints are going to end up in the top six or eight, I'm sure, when it's all said and done. Um, Atlanta still has some weapons, and I thought they played pretty well that night. Uh, keeping Ryan and, and his people down a little bit. Minnesota's got a couple of, and I know it was week one, and they were they were getting acclimated with with some new people there, but but I'll bet you Minnesota ends up in the top 12 offensively when it's all said and done. I, I, I know I'm in the minority here, Gary, but I love Detroit's quarterback. I always have. I think he's mm-hmm. one of the toughest SOBs in football, and they played Stafford and his group okay that day. So you're, you're going to get a lot easier tests kind of, Moving forward, San Francisco's a mess on offense right now. Jacksonville's on the schedule. Phillip Rivers and the Colts are still on the schedule. Uh, you got the Bears twice, and they're certainly not good on offense. So some of these numbers probably start to trend and move in a direction that makes Green Bay's defense look a little bit better. But what would have me worried, Gary, is when, when you do get to the playoffs, when you do get deep into the postseason, and you see Russell Wilson in Seattle, mm-hmm. when you see Tom Brady – when you see maybe Drew Brees again or yep. uh, maybe whoever's playing quarterback for Dallas with all those studs around them, if that's Andy Dalton or, or whatever it is, can Green Bay's defense hold up in a game like that? Because their playoff exits through the years, Gary, you can go back and circle them, each, each <laughs> one in particular, other than maybe the Seahawks 2014 NFC Championship game, almost everything falls back on the defense. Yes. All right, let's uh, real quickly here, Rob, the game I want to play here now is with the Packers having – 12 games left. 
I'll uh, recite the team they play, where they're playing, and you tell me in your mind if they'll win or lose. At Tampa Bay. Lose. At Houston. Win. Minnesota Vikings at home. Win. At San Francisco. <laughs> I keep thinking at some point. Hey, 280 yards, Rob. <laughs> I know. They, they ran on him. Five and four rushing touchdowns, right? I mean, <laughs> it's a hard vision to get out of your mind. But it, it, it really is. It's also hard to get out of your mind what Miami just did to San Francisco and the 49ers were a mess. I, I, I'm going to say they'll win that game, Gary. Okay, at home against Jacksonville. Win. At Indianapolis. I'll be honest, I like Indy's roster better than Green Bay's top to bottom, but the quarterback differential is so remarkable. Um, I'll say win. Okay. Bears at Lambeau. Win. Eagles at Lambeau. Win. At Detroit. Lose. Whoa. We'll, we'll come back on that one. <laughs> Carolina. They're go, Gary, they're not going to go 15 and one. You know that, 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 wait, that, wait, wait, wait. Let's finish, let's finish this up. Yep. At, uh, Carolina Panthers at Green Bay. Win. Uh, the Tennessee Titans at Green Bay. Win. At Chicago. Win. Okay. For 14 and two, I guess, huh? So, so you had them losing, losing to the Lions. Well, again, we'll hold, hold that for a couple seconds here. And who was, who was your other loss? This week against Tampa, Gary. Against Tampa. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I disagree. I think they're going to beat Tampa. Where I have them losing, though, is against Minnesota at Green Bay. Interesting. Uh, okay. And I was the guy who was bad-mouthing the Vikings two weeks ago on this podcast. Yeah. They, their offense is really good. I, I'm really impressed with the uh, talent they have, and they have so many weapons. I, I totally disagree with the Lions. I, I think at that point they'll be in the hunt uh, for the number one pick uh, in the <laughs> draft. <laughs> yeah, so, so the only games that, that to me would be – difficult for them are tampa bay minnesota and san francisco even well, Gary, though you're telling me you have them 15 and one with only a home loss to minnesota you know what rob when i looked at this this morning i had them at 16 and 0 <laughs> wow and i go you can't possibly say that but you know what you made a great point before we we, we started doing this podcast you believe they're going to be the favorite in every game the rest of the way correct yeah, and I actually just sent a guy who I talked to in Vegas who does lines, you know, at one of the one of the casinos that question. And I'll I'll probably hear back on that later today. But but I, I assume as you look at this, they will be a favorite in every single game they play moving forward. They started last week as a slight underdog to Tampa Bay, and that's moved now since Tampa lost to the Bears, where Green Bay is now the favorite in that game. And that's on working obviously under the assumption everybody's healthy or correct. Rogers correct. healthy. All, all things being equal right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if Rogers goes out, the drop from him to Boyle is probably 11 points or something in the eyes of Vegas. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I think no, the average quarterback, and, um, you know, Rogers is probably worth 11 to 14 uh, when, when you start talking about lines. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, Gary, I, I just don't see a game on there where, where they would be an underdog. I'll tell you why I picked Detroit in that game. Let's be honest. They're not going to go 16. I know you love Matthew Stafford. Okay. Well, that's certainly one of the reasons. (laughs) Okay. He's probably about as tough as the old (laughs) who played uh, in Green Bay for 16 seasons and 
who, who remains my all-time favorite football player, Gary. But Green Bay always has trouble in Detroit. I mean, you remember last year, you, you talked about the Lions playing for a top five or number one draft pick or whatever. The Lions took the field last year in the final game of the year with a guy named David Blau playing quarterback right. uh, that nobody in the world had ever heard of and no one will ever hear of again. And, and they scared the bejesus out of the Packers and led most of the way and almost won the football game. For years and years, Gary, it doesn't seem to matter how bad Detroit is. They give the Packers fits in that building. I even think back, Gary, to 1962, which I think most of us can agree is the greatest Packer team of all time. They went 13-1, and uh, won, won the championship there with Lombardi. All those, all those Hall of Fame guys were in their prime at the time, 25, 26, 27 years old, playing the best football of their lives. And those Packers only had one loss that year. They went to Detroit. And they lost on Thanksgiving. I think Bart Starr was sacked like nine or ten times. And, and they lost to the Lions 26-14. It was, it was the only blemish on what should have been a perfect season. And, and everybody wouldn't only talk about, you know, the Miami Dolphins from the early 70s. They'd also talk about these 60s Packers, Gary. Hey, um, Rob, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I will. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about the Lions, right? 62, when they, when they just annihilated Bart Starr. Correct. Last year... I was in Roanoke, Virginia, okay? I decided to go out for lunch, and where did I go? Roger Brown's, I don't know if it's a steakhouse restaurant in Roanoke, or, or was it in Norfolk? It doesn't matter. But anyways, guess who I ran into? Roger Brown. Oh, how funny. And we had the greatest conversation. He, he must be in his, what, mid-80s now, early 80s? How did you know it was Roger Brown? Well, you know what? I went in, I asked the waitress, I said, you know, is there any chance that Roger Brown is here? And she goes, yeah, he's, he's right over there. So I walked over there. He, we sat down, he bought me a drink and uh, we reminisced probably for about 30, 40 minutes. And he was telling me how he became really good friends with Bart Starr and how Bart reached out to him and did all these nice things for him, sent him letters, blah, blah, blah. But the respect that he had, but he played on that fearsome foursome. Okay. Do you remember yep. that? Yep. Which, which, which some people consider the greatest defensive line ever. Right. And Roger Brown contends, and he was adamant about this, that the Lions defense of which he was a part of was even better, but uh, just, just a great guy. And uh, you know what? It's actually in Portsmouth, Virginia. I think ah, it's, okay. North, okay. it's in Portsmouth. So if you're ever in, if it's you're ever in Portsmouth, I highly cool recommend story. there. <laughs> I'm sorry? No, I, that, that, that's a very cool story because I, I talked to a number of those 60s guys who played in that game when I, when I did one of my books. It was called 100 Things Packer Fans you know, Should Know and Do Before They Die. And, right, and right. we made a chapter just kind of on that game and another one on the 62 championship. And it, and it is funny. All those guys, even – you know, I think I wrote that book in around 2010 or something. So we're talking 50 years later. They didn't remember the 13 wins that season as much, Gary. I mean, they, they <laughs> yeah. remember them. I mean, but, but that loss haunted them to the point where, you know, every time the Dolphins still pop champagne, mm -hmm. it was annoying those 60s Packers. And they would think about that Lions game so much. So, you know, my, my point in this whole thing with picking Detroit was, Hey, these guys aren't good enough to go 16 and all. They're going to get dinged a couple of times. There's always a hiccup or a surprise on the schedule. The Lions seem to give them more trouble in that building than than any any road team almost that they see year in and year out. Even even to the Richard Rodgers Hail Mary play, right? Green Bay had to be a 10 point favorite 
that night when they went there and, and needed a play like that to win the game. So they're going to lose a couple along the way. And, and maybe San Francisco gets healthy enough, Gary, and, and dings them here at the end of the month or in four weeks, whatever that game is. You know, the Packers have this stretch coming, Gary, where I'm just looking here. They go road game, road game, yes. home against Minnesota, mm-hmm. road game, right? There's no way they're coming out of that 8-0, 7-1. I think they would take that in a heartbeat if they were honest off the record. This year, unfortunately, with Zoom calls only with players, you don't get as much off the record. <laughs> um, but, again, three road games and a tough home game, like you said, with Minnesota, because Minnesota is getting better. And I talked about that after week one, mm-hmm. Gary. They, they you were right. Totally Absolutely. Re- they totally revamped that defense. They had rookies starting in key positions all over the field. You knew Jefferson, the slot receiver out of LSU, was going to turn into a really good player. Um, Minnesota's, man, Gary, had they stole that game in Seattle the other night, we'd be talking about them as a threat now, maybe not in the division, but certainly to be back in the playoff hunt. At one and four, they've kind of buried themselves. But I'm telling you, that that's a team that's going to get better and better. And and that's not a bad pick by you there for them to come into Lambeau and, and beat these guys because they are – you know, they, they are probably the second most talented team in the division. But um, you, know, you know what, Rob, too? That could be a make-or-break game for the Vikings. I mean, their, their season could be on the line at that point. Yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah. so that, that's, that's why I t- thought perhaps that would be the uh, game the Packers were lose. So I'm going 15-1. and one. You're going 14-2. and two. You still have time to change that Detroit game, by the way. What I might change <laughs> is the San Francisco game, Gary, because I don't – I, I like this football team. I, Green Bay, that is. I think they're very good. Um, I, I just don't see – when you start talking 14, 15 wins, you're starting to talk about some of the NFL's all-time great teams, right? That 15-1 and one Packer team in, in 11 is one of the best teams in franchise history, even though they bowed out in the playoffs. There were some kind of strange, extenuating circumstances around that game. You, you look, though, through history, Gary, when teams win 14, 15 games, they, they usually go and win a Super Bowl, you know, shortly thereafter. Even those 96 Packers, Gary, were 13-3, and three, and the 97 Packers were as well. And this team certainly isn't that good and doesn't match up with, with those teams in the mid, of the mid-90s. Then again, in today's football, they might not need to be as good, Gary, to win 13, 14 games because I, I don't think football's played at quite the same level that it was 25 years ago. Exactly. Now, of course, all our prediction odds are off the table if number 12 <laughs> gets hurt, right? I mean, let's face it, if he goes down – I think the Packers are in a world hurt. Uh, do you agree? Oh, yeah. They don't have an Andy Dalton on the roster waiting. You, you know, a, a to the punch. Yep. Titles and a guy who's, you know, taking teams to the playoffs. And, you know, I, I, think, I think they like Tim Boyle, and, and that's all well and good. But he's throwing four career passes, Gary. And I guess to his credit, he's completed three of them. But he's, you know, again, he's a total unknown right now. And, and I, I think they would still uh, – it would be interesting, Gary, if, if it's a month down the road uh, versus, say, two months down the road, uh, who they might go to as the backup quarterback. If Jordan Love continued to grow and improve at some point here in October, November, does he pass a guy like Boyle? I doubt it for this particular year because he doesn't get a heavy workload in practice. But it would be interesting if Boyle started out slow and mm-hmm. was getting beat around in a game and didn't play well against, let's just say, the Bears or somebody like that, if they would – if they would go to the rookie first round draft pick. Gary, I thought they were set up to be okay in in both 13 and 17 uh, when Rodgers suffered the collarbone breaks in, mm-hmm. in those two specific years. And, and, and everybody remembers 
you know, pretty well around here that both of those years without Rogers for about half the season turned into colossal disasters. I mean, in 13, they went to Seneca Wallace first and he got hurt right away and, and only made it through about a game. Then they went to Matt or Scotty Tolzien and then later on Matt Flynn and Matt Flynn probably saved their season, uh, but they went eight, seven and one that year. And it, it took a miracle for them to win the division. They weren't as lucky in 17 Gary with Brett Hundley and <laughs> who, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, and you certainly don't hope for an injury that, you know, to, to the quarterback that, because he's whatever he, he makes everything go there. They go from being a Super Bowl uh, contender with Rogers to probably one of the bottom 10 teams in football without him. So Gary, your question was, can they survive an injury in the NFL? If, if you, if you go 500 without your starting quarterback, that's viewed as surviving. I mean, if Rogers for, whatever reason had to miss a month and Boyle came in and they went two and two I think they would be happy as pigs in slop Gary are they set up to do that it probably depends what what part of the schedule we're talking about if it's that stretch later on in the in the year where they're at home a whole bunch maybe they can do that Gary if if they had to go play a whole season with with Tim Boyle this it's a five and 11 football team (laughs) yeah you know what that 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 was one of my pet peeves this offseason um not bringing in somebody to back up Aaron Rodgers, who has a history of getting hurt. Let's face it. You look at New Orleans, they brought in Winston, right? You look at New England, they brought in Cam Newton. And at that time, there are a lot of people that I talked to around the NFL that didn't believe Cam Newton was going to be the starter. They thought he was going to back up, uh, be a backup. And then you look at Dallas, they brought in Dalton. You know, All three of these guys are established quarterbacks who have uh, proven track records, and for the Packers to say, we're going to go with uh, Boyle, I think that's an egregious mistake because they, they get in a situation with Rodgers. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, it's going to be lights out. Well, Gary, what I, what I think they fully expected to happen was Jordan Love to win the backup quarterback job. And Do you think so? I mean, but even then, aren't you rolling the dice on an unproven rookie at that point? Of course. I mean, of of course. I mean, but but you look at how well some of the rookies around the league have played, right? Justin Herbert looks like a pro player. He looks great. Absolutely. Joe Burrow is going to get killed in Cincinnati at at some point real soon. He's got David Carr written all over him, unfortunately. But uh, when, when he has had time to throw, he's been really, really good. The quarterbacks that do come into the league these days, Gary, are so much more advanced than 10 or 20 years ago just due to the sophistication of college offenses and, and, and what's thrown at them. Now, now, Love probably had tougher hurdles to, to overcome because ex-Wisconsin Badger coach, uh, goofball, ding-dong Gary <laughs> Anderson was his, was his coach. At, you know, I, I can tell you're a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest thing that ever happened to Wisconsin Gary, Badger. Gary Anderson. Football. Gary Anderson. Yes, yeah, uh, I think E-N, so right there. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the greatest thing, Gary, though, that ever happened to Wisconsin Badger football was him leaving town because it, they, they, they would have been a, a, a mediocre 500 football team if he had stuck around much longer. He, 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 should, he should have never been hired, Rob. That, that no, was my point. Not right. They, you know, I, they I thought Alvarez made a major mistake in hiring that guy right from the get-go. It but. was a bizarre hire at the time, and – um, it was, it was surprising when he did leave, but thankfully he did. And thankfully Barry went back and, and, and Paul Christ was still available to him. And he, and he, and he kind of wised up and, and made the right decision a few years later. Um, I'm off track there. 
but my point, Gary, was just that, you know, I, I think the Packers anticipated Love would be a little bit further along, probably would have had a stronger summer, and maybe he would have if we had a normal year. Nothing about this year has obviously been normal. They lost the whole offseason. Training camp wasn't what it was. There were no preseason games. That clearly set Love back. But I would certainly anticipate a year from now, Gary, that Love is the number two, and then maybe by 2022 he's probably the number one, just the way things shape up financially. That's a whole other show for us, how we can get into that and the future of Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure. But, you know, I, I just think from Brian Gutekunst's seat in the building, he thought he had his back up as soon as he took Jordan Love, and it was just one of those weird years and weird summers where uh, Boyle was able to hold him off. Yeah, you know, I, I cited uh, Winston in New Orleans and, and Newton in New England, Dalton in Dallas, but even like the, the some of the other really good teams, Seattle, for instance, they have Geno Smith. Now, you can laugh at Geno Smith, but he's played a lot of football games over the years. I mean, it's not like, you know, he's uh, walking out of college and, and never played the game. And even Kansas City with Henny, okay, he played like close to 70 games in the NFL. So obviously those two teams, if they lost Russell Wilson, if they lost Patrick Mahomes, they would be, you know, in major trouble as well. But at least they have veteran quarterbacks on their roster. And obviously that's not the case with the Packers. Well, it'll be a wait and see too. I mean, again, obviously nobody in Packer Nation wants to see Tim Boyle. Um, it would mean bad things have happened to Aaron Rodgers. And, and the only way Green Bay's making a run uh, at a championship is if Rodgers plays. But, but Gary, re- remember back to 2010, 2011, when nobody knew who Matt Flynn was? And he had the remarkable game in 2010 at New England. <laughs> uh, almost stole that game. I think they lost 31-27 that night to Belichick on a, on a Sunday night game. Rodgers had got concussed the previous week in Detroit. Flynn came in, was terrible. I uh, had a full week to prepare, though, and, and they, I think they were about a 14, 15-point underdog that night going to New England, and, and that was before the game where Mike McCarthy gave the nobody's underdog speech, and it kind of resonated, and, and Flynn was terrific that night in New England. He was pretty good, the chances he got after that. In 2011, I think, Gary, they gave him week 17 against the Lions, and he threw six touchdowns, and that got him that huge contract then to Seattle. So, you know, the point is, Nobody ever really knows till these guys get on the field. And, and maybe Tim Boyle's a guy that a year or two from now gets a contract from somebody. But if I'm Green Bay, I don't feel particularly great uh, if Rodgers goes out. Again, I'm just, I'm, hoping to, I'm just hoping to tread water and go 500. So you're saying uh, that Tim Boyle is going to be the next Robert Tanyan? <laughs> maybe Please, not. <laughs> that, is, that is the last thing you will, you will hear me say till I see – Tim Boyle take a meaningful snap. Hey, which reminds me, we, we bringing up Mr. Tanyan's name. Last week we were talking about how he is clearly the number two guy, you know, second famous guy in uh, Indiana State sports history behind yeah. the incomparable Larry Bird. Well, I got a bunch of calls, texts, emails, whatever. And I don't know if these people went to Indiana State or not, but anyways, they said, how could you forget Tommy John? Remember Tommy John? I, I do. I didn't He's, know. He, <laughs> it was crazy. The other, the other one that uh, was prominently mentioned, there was a basketball coach that had, you know, a fair amount of success at UCLA, a guy named Wooden. <laughs> <laughs> so he started so, up in Indiana State too? Yeah, apparently he was there in some capacity. I'm not sure okay. what it was. But, uh, yeah, they, they, there were like four or five people that sure. 
sent along names. So uh, apparently yeah, they, they probably have Tanya and Trump. Yeah. And, and another was one was the Olympic gymnast, Kurt uh, Thomas. Remember him? I do remember him. So, yeah. so, so Robert Tanya, you know, has some work to do yet. So before he moves up to number two, apparently. Well, he's on the right path. At least crack the top five here at some point. That that that's a much more impressive list than I would have thought we would have gotten out of Indiana State. So good for them. Exactly. So just moving along and uh, coming down the stretch here, I wanted to talk again about the NFC North as we do on every podcast and that Viking game against Seattle. That that was one of the best games. And there's been a bunch of really good games so far, but that that was a hell of a game. We go back to it every week, it seems like, Gary. I mean, if, if you've got 90 seconds left to win a football game or absolutely have to have a touchdown, there's nobody in the world you want to give the ball to right more than Russell Wilson. And I love Patrick Mahomes, and I think there's other guys in the league that have been great in two-minute situations. Nobody anywhere is better than Russell Wilson. Gary, I was screaming at my TV at the time that, <laughs> you know, that Minnesota really, you know, that Zimmer really needed to kick that field goal. I'm, I'm I agree. I, I, I was screaming. Well, I wasn't screaming, yep. but I was screaming in my mind that yeah. it, it puts them up by eight, and then they have to come back and score a touchdown and get the two-point conversion. And that's the key, Gary. You also have to get the two. And I would, you know, I, I would say Russell's chances of taking you down to score a touchdown are 50-50 or better, and, and the two-point play is about 50-50. So, when you combine that, the odds of getting both are one and four. And so if I'm Zimmer, I look at those numbers more than can I get fourth and one when you run such an uncreative play. I mean, that was about as unimaginative yes. as, as you can yes. see. Delvin Cook was out, and, and I know they were controlling things up front, but you run Matson into the line and uh, goes nowhere. So um, I'm just – I'm a big old-school Tom Landry guy. You get points when you can get them. That puts you up eight. It forces Russell to get a touchdown and a two. So, like like we talked about earlier in the show, Gary, I think that's a huge blow to Minnesota. I, I think they're back in the hunt. People should remember the playoff field has increased this year from six to seven, and Minnesota Good wins point. the game and goes to point. two to three, two and three. They're right back in the playoff picture again, even mm-hmm. even at sub five hundred. One and four, you're in the bottom four or five teams of the conference, and and that's a long road to climb back from. And that was a huge loss for Minnesota. On the flip side, it's going to be huge for Seattle, Gary. And I, I think it's a game we're going to look back to in December and kind of circle because with the expanded playoff field, having gone from six to seven, there's only one team now in each conference that gets a bye. I mean, the way this is shaping up, that's going to be Green Bay or Seattle. So Packer fans out there every week should probably be cheering for Seattle losses, even though Russell's a UW guy. That bodes well for Green Bay every time Seattle gets dinged. Well, they haven't gotten dinged yet. Russell keeps finding ways to win. Like we said, Gary, terrible loss for the Vikings. And I think long-term, this is going to be huge for Seattle uh, in terms of winning that division and maybe winning the conference. All right, let's uh, move on to the Chicago Bears. And this is, to me, mind-boggling. Jimmy Graham, who I, I pretty much left for dead when he left the Packers, has 17 receptions this year for 169 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, are we absolutely sure that's Jimmy Graham? <laughs> well, the yards per catch indicate that it's Jimmy Graham. That's only yeah. about 10 per catch. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'm actually surprised it's that high because I have to look it up again. I, I think he was right around there or under that in Green Bay. The touchdowns don't shock me. 
Gary, you remember kind of the end of Bubba Franks' career? He he was still sure, a, sure. He was still a terrific red zone weapon. He, he he was just big, strong, physical at the goal line. He could fight off safeties and corners and and win those battles on on jump balls from Favre and and all that kind of stuff. But Jimmy Graham's probably at that point of his career now, where he still has a big body down at the goal line, so you can you can feed him down there. I always thought Green Bay did a really poor job of finding ways to get him the ball inside the 20 or inside the 10. Now, a lot of that's on Jimmy too, but uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, Gary. Th- those numbers are a shock. That's through what, five games? So you that, that's, that's a career or, or a season yeah, worth of numbers, right? Out. He's going to have <laughs> mid-50s receptions and 12, 13 touchdowns. He keeps going like that. I, I Again, I don't think that continues, Gary, but I, it's a big start for him. And kind of more specifically to the Bears, they just they just keep winning ugly crazy win in the comeback against the Falcons uh, the other night I didn't think they were the better team but found a way to beat Tampa Bay when when you play high level defense top eight top 10 defense you're going to be in all these games they remind me a lot Gary of that 2018 Bears team that was 12 and 4 there I don't think they're mm-hmm. quite as good on defense but they found a lot of ways to win one sloppy one ugly um, I, like I've been saying on the show all along I think they're going to win 10 games and be a wild card team but they'll lose their first playoff game. They're just they're just too limited on the offensive side of the football. But they'll hang around. They'll win some ugly games, and and the other night was certainly one of them. All right, Rob. You know, every week I ask you at least one or two questions, and you are like the Packers so far, perfect. Okay. Here's today's question for you. You've already jinxed it by saying my that I was perfect. <laughs> exactly. It's like a guy going to the free throw line, right? Ah, he's a 95% free throw shooter, Clang. Anyways, Khalil Mack, okay? Where do you think he ranks in tackles on the Bears? The great Khalil Mack. Now, now get this. I was told by yeah. a very, very good source that the Packers at one time were the front runners to get him. Remember when he was out in Oakland? Absolutely. And, and, and the source told me that it came down to the Packers, Jets, Lions. And the Bears, obviously. And the Bears. And the Packers, again, were the front runners until the Bears decided to throw in a second first-round pick. But anyways, where, where do you think he ranks? I'm going to guess sixth, Gary. I'm, his sacks are usually high. His tackles aren't quite as high. So I'm going to guess right in the middle of that defense. Number six. And you know what? I tended to agree when you know when I looked at it. I thought for sure he'd be in the top five, but he he wasn't six. He wasn't seventh. He wasn't eighth. Wow. He was ninth. Wow. Can you believe that? I mean, you know, the guy's a sack machine. I mean, he's got I think three and a half, four sacks. But at the same time, you do have to make some tackles. At this juncture, at least, uh, he's not doing that. Well, you know, every defense has different responsibilities for outside linebackers, too. You know, they, mm-hmm. those, those guys in Chicago, they, they like their inside guys to gobble up a lot of times the tackles. It, it, it's gotten a couple of those guys, those inside guys, paid through the years, and they turn their outside linebackers loose to chase quarterbacks, Gary. But, yeah, you're, you're correct. That, that still seems extremely low on the totem pole when you start talking about ninth in, in total tackles. Where's he at for sacks, four or five? Well, he's got yeah, he's got three and a half sacks. I'm oh, not okay. sure. Okay. I, I think that leads the team or t- is tied for the league. But yeah, I, 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 yeah, I was I, asking that, how many did he have? Four or five? But yeah, you know, when it's all said and done, Gary, he'll have 15, 16, 18 sacks. Right, he, he's exactly. That kind of player that that's what they're paying him to do, and you know, to have his pressure count extremely high. And and it, hey, he's remarkable at that. He's 
you know, he was dominant the other night in that in that Tampa Bay game. But it, that is oh, interesting. The total was so low. Yeah, he, he's a great player. I, I don't think anybody can just dispute that. Now we're going to go to your favorite team, the one you think is going to win the Super Bowl, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> what do you, what do you think? Any uh, observations besides they'll probably have a, a new head coach by the middle of the season? Yeah, they're coming off the bye week, right? Weren't they off yep. of Green Bay? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know where they go this week, Gary. Again, I they ah. they they go to Jacksonville and then they go to Atlanta. So the schedule is favorable. Are they one and three? One and three. If they lose yeah. one of those games or two of those games. <laughs> there's there's going to be a press conference in Detroit. And and again, I, I, we talk about this in all in all the major sports. These franchises, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't think Detroit has it right currently with Matt Patricia and, and and the general manager there and stuff like that. But when you're turning those positions over every two three years, which teams like yep, right, the Lions are doing that that Jacksonville is doing. I mean, Houston's going to probably do it now. Miami has done it for years since since Marino's been gone. I mean, the, the losing organizations in football, Tampa Bay outside that Super Bowl, I mean, that that's really their only run the last 20 years. The Raiders have only made the playoffs once in the last 17 seasons. So so these losing organizations, Gary, and Detroit's obviously one of them. They might be the, the biggest losers um, among any of them that are changing coaches and GMs every two, three years you're going to get this cycle that happens over and over and over. And, and that's what they have right now. I certainly wouldn't advocate that they keep Patricia into 2021. If this is another four and 12, five and 11 season. Uh, but yeah, you, there, there's no doubt. You just, you just put the schedule out there. They've got a real chance to get back to three and three. If things go South and they're one and five, two and four, I could see a mid season coaching change. We've already had two of them uh, with Bill O'Brien and, and now the gang in Atlanta. So there's got to be a lot of heat and a lot of pressure on those guys right now, Gary and Detroit, because they've had really busy off seasons the last two years where they've brought in a ton of free agents, spent a, spent a ton of money. A lot of these guys are expatriates that they've gone and signed too that Patricia wanted to go and get from new England. There's enough pieces on offense. And, and, you know, I think that quarterback's a top 10 quarterback in football. I've always loved that guy. I um, thought you'd have him even higher. <laughs> <laughs> top 10. I, I, I haven't started Rob, drinking yet, Gary. In your heart, he's probably a top three, right? <laughs> it's only noon on a Tuesday. I'm not drinking yet, Gary. So <laughs> there, there you um, go. <laughs> I, I, I kind of find this. We say the same thing about Detroit almost, almost every single week. They really need to start winning some football games or you'll see another new management group there next year. Rob, it's always a pleasure. And uh, thanks again for the great insight uh, Gary any, what's our predictions for Sunday what do you got well I got the Packers remember I, I said 15 and one you know I, 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 do you have a score th- yeah I'll say 30 to 24 how's okay. that and I was saying that, that's along, still over right yeah it's two points over the over. Uh, 52 uh, over under I was saying all along 30 27 for somebody so I'll take Tampa Bay you're taking Tampa Bay and there's still time to just change your prediction if you want we got a couple seconds left. <laughs> 14 and two. I'm going to stay with that 14 and two. I don't like it. I'll be honest, Gary. I, they'll probably get dinged somewhere else along the way and win 12 or 13. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend start to talking agree. about 14 wins and beyond. We're talking about some of the great teams this league's ever seen. And, and I think it's a really good football team, but I don't know that we can put them in that category. 
Exactly. Well, thanks again, Rob, and uh, thanks to all our listeners. We'll see you next week. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.